some fell right down that rabbit hole so reality is questionable try but you just can't let it go these two right here put on the show it's paranormal overload with southern hospitality Haunted murder mayhem tip while discussing immortality Locations with a dark past History that comes to life Hillbillies with a knack for Everything that goes bump at night Overthinking if you by yourself These two are happy turning on the lights Mixing in a little comedy to make sure it all fits in just right hey. Welcome to Hillbilly Horror Stories Now here's your hosts Jerry and Tracy Paul Heather Dog Ninja Hey guys, welcome to episode 277 of Hillbilly Horror Stories. I'm Jerry. And I'm Tracy. Wow, we got some fun stuff tonight. Woohoo! One of these stories is going to freak you out. Oh boy. You're not going to be real happy with it. I can no, already tell no. you. Are you serious? Yes. And don't call me serious. <laughs> um, well, first of all, we want to thank all of our military and civil servants all over the world, no matter which country you represent. Thank you, guys, gals, and service animals for everything that you do for us. God bless you guys so much. We keep praying for you every day. Thank you for all that you do for our country. We appreciate you. Well, Tracy, tonight we've got uh, some announcements about uh, live events that we've got set up for next year already. Mm-hmm. And one of those will involve Serial Spirits with Annie Weebs. Awesome. And uh, so we're bringing her on to tell us about an investigation that she just did. Nice. And it ties into our live event. So we'll hear cool. her in the second half of our show. Pretty cool then. As usual, we want to let every one of our listeners know that if you're going through a hard time, you're struggling... I know we've got, uh, myself, I've been to two different funeral visitations in the last four days. Yeah. And uh, one of those, obviously, was a relative of a good friend of ours, Tanya. We just want to say we're thinking about you. Mm-hmm. And then my best friend, Ron, actually lost a really uh, close friend of his he's had for the past 27 years. Yeah. So, uh, you know, people are going through tough times right now, and sometimes death is really hard to deal with. Um, so we just want to make sure that people know that whatever you're struggling with right now, whether it be the death of a loved one or a breakup or troubles financially, just know that you've got somebody that will talk to you anytime that you want to talk to you. We've got an ear that's set aside just for you that, uh, we just want to help. Absolutely. And just remember, we have our group that you can reach out to day or night, anytime, um, if you would rather go another route, you can call the suicide hotline number at 1-800-273-8255. You can also text at 741-741. You guys are not alone. Please reach out. We're always here for you. All right. Are we ready to jump into the story? Well, I don't know. Now that you said there's, I'm not going to like it. Well, the first, the first part of it you'll be fine with. The last one. So let me let me jump into this real quick and, and tell you about this this story. This story is going to be a little bit different because it's multiple stories, okay? Mm-hmm. But we're gonna, you know, when I initially started this, you know that I love stories that involve the military. Yes. And for the most part, we've covered some stories that are like in the Middle East and an Air Force base up in I think it was Wyoming, and we've covered some haunted battleships. Mm-hmm. Today we're going to cover some naval paranormal stories. And we've definitely covered our share of phantom ships. Oh, definitely. Like, obviously, we've covered the most famous of all, the uh, 
What's it called? The Thrifty Dutchman? No, that's a hotel. That's not my prom at. You're silly. <laughs> the Flying Dutchman. <laughs> the <Thrifty laughs> <But that's>, Hotel. <laughs> do you remember you ever been to the Thrifty Dutchman over on uh, uh, no. Fern Valley Road? No, I've never been there. Okay. Well, that's just me then. Mm-hmm. Anyways. A lot of times when they see these ships, it's an omen. It's a bad omen. And, and you know, we're going to talk about these things. So when if a sailor sees a phantom ship, they almost always assume that, that either that means they're going to die or a loved one's going to die. Oh, no. Well, that's terrible. Yeah. So anyways, we're, we're going to cover some of these. But I want to tell you how this kind of unfolded. My initial at- intention was to talk about strictly just naval sightings. Mm-hmm. But then, as I started getting more and more into it, I shifted it a little bit. We'll do the naval sightings, but then we're going to talk about, in some cases, the history of the ship that the, the Navy saw. Okay. Because I think it actually adds more to the story. hmm Now, the last story is going to be more of a haunted ship. So, it'll be more like what we traditionally do with, you know, the hauntings that take place on there. Kind of like when we did the Queen Mary or something. So it's going to be, I'm not going to say all over the place, but it's going to be, some of these we're going to start off with naval stories and then we're going to go history of the ship. So it won't all be naval, but it all will tie back to it. Does that make sense? Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure it does. Anyways, <laughs> let's jump to the first story. All right. Let's do it. 1937, the USS Langley would have its own run in with what the crew believed to be the infamous Flying Dutchman. The USS Langley, the Navy's very first aircraft carrier, was on its way to, I think it's Coco Solo, Panama. I hope I got the pronunciation right. Okay, well, sounds fun anyway. (laughs) It was an early morning, and the sailors were on board. They saw a sailing ship. It was fully rigged with its sails fully engaged by the wind. It was speeding straight for them. Think about this. You're on an aircraft carrier. It's 1937. You're on an aircraft carrier. And you see this old style, practically pirate type ship. Mm -hmm. The sails full of wind and it's coming straight towards you. I mean, how, how fast can that go? I don't know. I guess it depends on the ship. It's a ghost ship. I guess it can do whatever it wants. Oh, true story. So the news spreads really fast throughout this entirely large ship, and crewmen started scrambling on deck to see for themselves. As the sun starts to rise in the sky, the officers and the other men on board, they watch this beautiful old ship draw closer, and then something amazing happened. The men stood dumbfounded as the old ship just dissolved into nothingness. Dang, that's major skills. (laughs) The sightings of the Flying Dutchman had been making its appearances for over the past several years. We're going to get into some theories on it. A whaling ship had spotted her in 1911. A Royal Navy ship spotted her in 1923. As would General Admiral Carl Donitz in 1939, and he was actually with uh, the German Navy. Now, the USS Langley's encounter, though, came at the cusp of a period 
that would see an uptick in spectral ship sightings. The destroyer USS Kennison experienced a pair of ghost ship encounters. Now, just off the California coast, the first one was November of 1942. The destroyer nearly collided with a two-masted sailing ship as it was approaching San Francisco Harbor. They said the ship that they almost collided with was in bad shape. Most of the wood seemed to be rotted. The sails were torn and tattered, and the deck was full of holes. Well, that don't sound safe. (laughs) The ship appeared to be unmanned. Here's the problem. This ship did not show up on the Kennison's radar. Mm. It was there, but it wasn't there, if it makes sense. Yeah. Just six months later, in April of 1943, more strangeness would come to Kennison's way. This time, the destroyer was making its way to its home port in San Diego. A Liberty ship appeared off of the starboard bow, and then it just vanished without a trace. Multiple witnesses were left confused. Howard Brisbane was actually on board for both of these encounters. Oh, dude, he got to see it twice? Oh, wow. He said, as a witness who saw one ship and heard the other, I believe that the explanation for the shadow fleet that sails in the tradition of the Flying Dutchman lies in the area of psychic phenomena. Reports of these apparitions have been made for generations by responsible men. That's what he had to say about it. So the question is, Why was there such a resurgence of sightings during this time? Some think it's because that this was a very dark and bloody time during the midst of World War II. It was almost as if all the death and the tragedy stirred up echoes of the past. Amazing. I wish we could see a ghost ship. That would be so cool. Maybe you have and you just thought it was a real ship. You didn't even realize it was a ghost ship. I ain't seen no ships lately. (laughs) Last time I seen a ship was in St. Thomas. I think we saw ships in St. Augustine. Oh, yeah. It was like two months ago. Oh, dang. Anyway. Did I see a ship? I don't even remember. I mean, we were driving along the ocean. There was all kinds of ships. Maybe not. Yeah, because there was a, a, uh, and we saw one in Galveston, too. There was big cruise ships down in Galveston. Remember when we were out on the ferry? I guess it wasn't that long ago. My bad. No, that was even... Short-term memory. Anyways, during this same time period, these ghost ships were raising havoc in the Pacific Ocean. Another famous ghost ship made its first appearance in many years in a different ocean. Casco Bay, Maine is a very cold and rocky bay that is the closest, believe it or not, this is the closest American bay to Europe. No kidding. Yeah, because it sticks out. Maine sticks out up there. Like a doinger? You're so nasty. (laughs) This bay played a very important role during World War II. Now, this was the Battle of Atlantic. It raged on with the fate of Great Britain, as well as the entire Europe continent, and really the free world itself, hanging in the balance. That is deep. That's what I said. Pretty deep. I don't know how deep the ocean is there, but it's pretty deep. I wonder how much. I mean, I mean, I wonder how deep the ocean really is. It's different. Well, I know it's different. different, Different depths in different places. 
They told us the Gulf of Mexico was only eight feet deep at it, at any point. The most it was ever was eight feet deep. No way. That's what I said. But that's what the guy told us when we were in Key West. I'll be dang. So, I don't know if that's true or not. So, if I'm wrong, don't act like I'm stupid. I'm just telling you that's what I was told <laughs> by the captain of the ship we were on. So I don't know. It just seems really weird that it could only be that. I mean, that's like three more feet than I'm tall. There were so many grammatically problems with that. I said grammatically problems. Almost. There were so many grammatic problems with that sentence. All right, let's get back. Ready, stop. As the cat tries to kill the dog. Ready, stop. Now, this area is steeped in maritime lore already. It was more vital than ever. It was the most important seaport in all of World War II. Here, there were combined ships from the U.S. Navy, the Canadian Navy, the Royal Navy, and the U.S. Coast Guard. Well, that's impressive. This is where the convoys would actually depart from that were the lifeblood of war-torn Britain at the time. A crucial oil pipeline from Montreal fed the Allied ships that would travel through the water that deadly German U-boats would prowl. Sometimes the U-boats would come dangerously close to Casco Bay. One had actually been sighted just two months earlier than the incident we're going to talk about. And for that reason, those who manned the guns and kept an eye out of the, of the surrounding water in August of 1942 already had their nerves on edge. So... Did they come through at night or something? So I guess they wouldn't be seen or... I mean, you got radar and stuff. Oh, yeah. So this whole area at this time, we're back on, on this August 1942, was enveloped in a very thick fog. The radar suddenly went haywire. It alerted the crews on several different ships to what would be one of the most bizarre, unexplainable occurrences of World War II. Blipping its way ominously across the Navy radar screen, violating the defensive perimeter, was an intruder. This intruder was brazenly surging towards the innermost zone of restriction. Sirens were blaring, crews were scrambling to the battle stations, ships swarmed, and the guns were zeroed in. Mm, God, that's so scary thinking about that. There was a couple who were actually enjoying some alone time, if you know what I mean. Did they get, he get cock-blocked? They, they were at the... <laughs> they're at the edge of the water at a place called Punkin' Nub. That's what it's <laughs> called. That's what it's called, Punkin' Nub. Probably not a place to be trying to get a little action. I'm just saying. <laughs> anyway, so they're out of Punkin' Nub. They hear the sirens and stuff going off. Well, they start getting showered from debris from an exploded artillery shell. Oh, my gosh. So the man thought it was the woman's husband because... <gasps> Yes, she oh, was Mary. Shamey, shamey. But he could see through the fog that the, there was a Royal Navy vessel heading straight their way, guns firing, and it was coming from Cumberland Cove along with some U.S. ships following it. What were they chasing, though? Well, the couple saw it. A ship materialized in front of their eyes, but this wasn't a German U-boat. It wasn't German at all. Hell, it wasn't even from this era, according to them. It was a wooden sailing ship 
that seemed like it was from yesteryear. It was coming right past them with two modern ships in pursuit. As it got closer, they could see the ship's name carved into the side. Dash Freeport. A ship that had sunk 127 years earlier. Whoa. Did the other ships see it? The modern ships? They saw it too? Yes, they were chasing it. This ship was aptly named and no stranger to war. It was one of the actually fastest ships of its time, and it was said that it was a huge weapon for America in the War of 1812. It was said that the Dash never, ever attacked another ship in vain. It was never injured, and it never suffered defeat during its time. Hmm. In January of 1815, the Dash and her crew of 60 disappeared. On that last voyage, newlywed Captain Porter, he led a crew that was in very high spirits. They were excited about the trip. They started their trip with a race with a newly built uh, boat by the name of the Champlain. The Champlain. The two ships sped southward out of Portland Harbor, and the Champlain was absolutely no match for Dash, which by the following morning had vastly created a distance of the brand new ship. The Champlain crew watched the Dash grow smaller and smaller in the distance. Then a huge storm would gale force winds hit. The crew of the Champlain lost sight of the Dash and that was the last that anyone ever saw the ship, at least in non-spectral form. It's said that the captain's newlywed wife at home had an experience a few days after Dash left port. She was in her house, and she heard the wind howling outside. Then she heard a loud crash in an empty section of their home. She walked into the room to find that a tile from the mantelpiece had become dislodged and fell to the ground, shattering. This particular piece of the tile had a scripture passage printed on it. His wife, Lois, picked up the broken pieces, and it said that she knew that she would never see her beloved husband again. Aww. Did you fart? That's Ninja. Oh, Lord. No one ever determined what happened to the Dash. It would become evident that the Dash was still in this realm, though. Mm-hmm. Its first sighting was several months after it went missing. There was a local fisherman by the name of Simon Bibber. He was at Punkin Nub. He was pulling in a nice little haul of fish, and he said that a strange ship emerged from a gray and white swirl in the water. My Lord. He said its sails were full, and it was heading toward shore. The only problem was there was no wind that day. When the mysterious ship came within 30 feet of this fisherman, he could see the nameplate, and it was obviously Dash (gasps) Freeport written on the nameplate. Wow. That ship's just showing up everywhere. So Simon watched in shock, basically, as the ship passed by and it was heading towards Freeport. He paddled with all of his might until he reached Freeport himself, but the Dash He's like, you ain't getting my fish. Yeah, but the, the, well, no, he wouldn't. Here he had a fish on his boat. Well, I know that. <laughs> I'm just saying, maybe the Dash was coming to get his fish. The Dash was not there when he got to the port. 
Simon saw Mort Collins at the docks, and he told him what he saw. Mort did not believe him, believe it or not. <laughs> he said, uh, basically, uh, okay. Yeah, basically. This made Simon start to question himself. Maybe he didn't see it, and he was just wrong. And that's the way he felt until there was another sighting. This time, it was Roscoe Moulton who saw the ship. He'd been off getting some uh, crabs. Well, I guess, yeah, that probably sounded bad. <laughs> he was... And he was... He had been off of Crab Island, I should have said. Yeah. He said that the ship blew past him like a whirlwind. But there wasn't a breath of air. He must have a, a motor engine on there or something. Or whatever He's, I just said. He said, it, and this is a quote. Or, he uh, said, nitrous oxide or whatever you call them he, boosters. He said, there, there was thick old fog and flat arse calm. I saw her, though. Hey, I understand you, buddy. They would not be the only ones to see the dash. When the fog settled and the wind was silent, the dash would usually come into view. No matter which way the wind was blowing or the tide was flowing, the ship was always headed towards Freeport. Hmm. The sightings were too numerous over the years to even count. But 17 of those sightings were from the crew aboard the schooner, Betty McComber. The schooner was heading back with a large haul of cod when they came across the ghostly dash. Now, out of all these sightings, the saddest thing that they all have in common is that the dash could never make it back to Freeport. Well, I was going to say, why does he keep going in the same direction? Ocean's pretty dang big. Go somewhere else. <laughs> well, it's from, it's from Freeport. Well, I know. It's like any other, any other ghost, they want to probably be where their loved ones are. I guess so. Do you think you get tired of that after a while? Now, like I said earlier, I know we got away from some of the true naval stories to, to tell you some haunted history of some of these other ships, but I thought it kind of played in the, into it a little bit if you yeah. knew some of these other sightings. So let's get back. The main focus. You're going to like this story. And that's sarcasm. <laughs> this is a kind of a gruesome story. So mm. just take a deep breath and buckle up. I don't want my stomach to hurt. <laughs> In December 1954, the USS Forrestal was launched. Now, this was the very first super aircraft carrier. It was the largest most futuristic aircraft carrier ever built. The Forrestal dwarfed its former World War II competition in not only size, but firepower, fuel capacity, and speed. It was 1,046 feet long, and it was the first one built with jet aircraft in mind. Nice. Because the other ones just had basically like biplanes and yeah. stuff, I guess, taking off. For 12 years, the USS Forrestal went on several show-the-flag type missions, as they would say, and served as a springboard for naval technology experimentation. But it had never been deployed for combat. That would change during the Vietnam War. In June 1967, the ship would help step up the aerial assault in Vietnam. On July 29th, 
The Forrestal was prepping to let fly the morning's second wave of strikes when disaster struck. A power surge unleashed a 5-inch rocket from the pod of an AF-4 Phantom II. It was parked on the starboard side of the uh, stern of the ship. That little rocket shot across the deck and struck a wing-mounted fuel tank on an A-4 Skyhawk that was waiting to launch. Oh, my gosh. Fuel spurted like blood from a severed artery. The flight deck burst into flames. Mm. Pilots who were lined up for takeoff were burned alive in their (gasps) cockpits. Oh, my gosh. Each plane fed more fuel to the fire, creating a mountain of black smoke and flames. Bombs were heated to the exploding point. And here's the thing with these bombs. This was the the top-of-the-line ship. But it had old bombs on it, like the older style mm-hmm. bombs that would heat up and explode quicker. If yeah. they, if this thing had had the bombs, the newer type bombs on it, they wouldn't have exploded as quick and there'd been more time to react. Does that make sense? No, that makes perfect sense. So these bombs were heating to the point of exploding and fire emergency crew rushed to try to contain them as quick as they could. Unfortunately, the bombs exploded within the first two minutes, taking out the entire fire crew. Now get this. A pilot actually jumped from his cockpit, climbed down the nose of his burning plane with as much speed as he could muster. He barely escaped as the bombs dropped to the deck and exploded. That pilot? John McCain. No freaking way. Former senator and presidential Are you candidate. kidding me? Yes. You're kid- you are kidding no, me? No, it's t- it was oh. John McCain. Oh my gosh. The other planes exploded one right after the other, causing gaping craters in the rupturing flight deck. Fire shot down to the lower deck, incinerating sailors while they were in their quarters. <sighs> This is horrible. This is awful. Sailors were trapped behind walls of flames and deadly smoke. And the burning jet fuel spread across the deck like a widening lake of fire. For 16 hours, the exhausted crew battled the flames. I don't know. How how was there anybody left? When all was said and done, 134 sailors were dead. 161 severely injured. The ship had come extremely close to sinking and suffered $72 million worth of damage. The most advanced modern aircraft carrier was destroyed by a combination of second-rate, out-of-date bombs and bad luck. I'm was, so sorry that happened to all those people. It was one of the worst accidents in U.S. naval history. Oh, my gosh. It was the worst loss of life on a U.S. naval vessel since World War II. The Forrester was ready to sail again after seven months of renovations. A ship's time in Vietnam was over in just four and a half days of action. The Forrestal would spend the rest of its career on deployment to the Mediterranean and Indian Oceans. Now for the paranormal side. If two veterans who served on the Forrestal run into each other, one will always ask, So I wonder how old George is these days. All forestal sailors knew who George was. George was the name bestowed on not one, 
but a collection of all the ghosts that are on board that ship. It's not a surprise that several ghosts would be on board that ship. I mean, even a skeptic would probably have a chill go down their spine as they go to sleep in a cabin where someone had been burned alive. No, man. This is heartbreaking. The spirits are mainly seen below the flight deck. This is where the members of the squadron were still assigned to sleep, or try to sleep, in 1982. One member said that he would hear voices at night crying for help. He said that on numerous occasions, he would see a sailor walk into an area and then just disappear. There have been sightings of a man dressed in khakis, and you would get a good look at him sometimes. Unfortunately, you would wish you didn't, Aww. because the, his face features look like they had been melted. Jerry. Doors would lock and unlock by themselves. Strange noises have been heard, and some have reported a gripping of their neck by an invisible hand. By 1988, some sailors would flat out refuse an order to go into certain parts of the ship. I mean, can you blame them? No. They were literally more scared of what lurked in the shadows than punishment from their superiors. I was going to say, what happened to them when they didn't, didn't do it? One of these places that they refused to go to was a storage area that once was served as a morgue. Petty Officer Daniel Balboa says that he has one guy working for him who refused to go down there alone. He said their last petty officer in charge, who was transferred, refused to go down there at all. I guess that's probably why he got transferred. Yeah. Petty Officer James Hilliard was one of those who ventured into the area and then decided that they weren't going to go there again. He was curious about the strange footsteps that he was hearing while he was in the the area down there. He went to investigate, and he found himself face-to-face with an apparition. He was wearing a khaki uniform like an officer would wear. He said he followed the man into a dead end. But then when he reached the dead end, there was nobody there. Another crew member watched a man in khakis climbing a ladder. Now, he didn't follow him, which was probably for the best, because another crew member did see a man in khakis climbing the ladder, and this crewman did follow him. The crewman's legs were grabbed and held so tightly by some powerful unseen hands to the point that another sailor had to tug desperately to pull him free. Wow. In 1993, after the Forrestal was decommissioned and laid up in the Philadelphia Navy Yard, a welder was dismantling some food safety equipment on board. He started to hear a loud clanging. Being the only one on the ship, he was curious. So he grabbed a wrench and he returned the clang. His clangs were then answered. Now he was curious and he went to investigate. He stood in terror as he saw a chief petty officer, horribly burned, just staring at him. He then slowly faded away. Oh, I don't know how these guys can even be on that ship anymore. Now, that story is kind of graphic and gruesome, but the next one may be the most bizarre. This was also experienced by Petty Officer Hilliard that we heard from earlier. 
He said it started with a phone call. The phone rang. Hilliard answered. A faint voice said, Help! Help! I'm on the sixth deck. The strangest part is it came on a phone that was disconnected. Ah! Get out of here! And that's our story. (sighs) (laughs) I knew you wouldn't go like that one. I did not. This is a terrible, terrible story. And I so want to cry right now because... And I can't believe that, you know, John McCain was on this place, on this ship. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine how he, I don't know how he even went through life knowing he saw all that happen. And I mean, you know, I don't know. I just. It's amazing all the, uh, all the presidents or, or congressmen that ended up in these situations. I mean, like. I think George Bush Sr. was the sole survivor of that, that one plane crash mm. during the war. And then obviously you had John F. Kennedy, yeah. PT-109. That I mean, then you got John McCain here. There's a lot of people who did a lot of heroic things out there. Yes, yes. God bless them. I just feel so bad for all those people. I mean, it's just so heartbreaking. And what a horrible way to go. It's just awful. All right, so we're going to take a quick break from our sponsor, and then we'll be back to tell you some uh, some cool stuff. And then our interview, or not really interview, it's uh, Annie Weaves stops by to talk to us about an investigation she did. The my Annie. Hey, guys. We once again want to thank our sponsor, Feels. Feels is a premium CBD that will help keep your head clear and make you feel your best. It's hassle-free, delivered directly to your door, and CBD naturally helps reduce stress, anxiety, pain, and sleeplessness. There's no hangover or addiction. I know Tracy has had a lot of success with it helping her with her pain and her feet, the neuropathy that she mm-hmm. suffers through diabetes. So tell me a little bit about how that's helped. Well, I just, you know, take it a couple hours before bedtime for me, and it, it doesn't take long at all to kick in because like at night my feet kill me so so bad from my diabetes and it's like if I don't go ahead and fall asleep quickly then it's too late so I go ahead and take it a couple hours before I go to bed and it just I don't know it just helps it makes the pain go away so I can go to sleep you just place a few drops of feels under your tongue and you feel the difference within minutes Mm -hmm. now the thing to remember about CBD is it's all about finding the right dose and you know for you because everybody's dose is a little bit different Mm mm-hmm and in fact, Phil's offers a free CBD hotline to help guide you through your personal experience so that you find the perfect dose. Like for me, it's three drops. There you go. Yeah. The Phil's customer service team is dedicated to make sure that you get the best use of your CBD. Now, you can actually join Phil's monthly membership. It makes it super easy. You'll save money on every single order and you can pause or cancel at any time. So you're going to start feeling better with feels. Become a member today by going to feels.com slash hillbilly. You're going to get 50% off your first order and free shipping. That's F-E-A-L-S dot com slash hillbilly to become a member and get 50% off automatically taken on your first order and free shipping. Feels.com slash hillbilly. You'll be glad you did. All right, let's start with some fun stuff. We have already set up 
some live events for next year. Now, we're not going to do as many events as we've been doing. So we've got the cruise, obviously, oh in God. September. You know, it's so weird. I keep forgetting about the cruise. Yeah. So we got the cruise in September. And here's what we've decided to do. We've decided to do events that are a little bit closer to home for us. So let's start off with, we're going to do an Indianapolis show, but we're still trying to finalize that. And we're going to do that with Middle-Aged and Creeped Out, mm-hmm. Todd and his crew. And we're going to do that with uh, James's podcast. So exciting. It is. And his podcast is The Tragedy of Cinema. Mm-hmm. And the reason we're doing this, both of them guys are from the Indianapolis area. And we actually... Um, helped out some on these guys getting started. Todd came here and spent some time here way before they did the podcast, just to kind of learn about it. And James actually invaded invited us out to dinner. Like, invaded. invaded. <laughs> James invaded us. And, uh, and he invited us out to dinner, man, four years ago. Mm-hmm. So both of them, you know, asked for our help. And I thought it would be cool since we kind of had a, a small hand in helping them get their podcasts off the ground and look at them now to do to do a show with them in their hometown of course that's our honor so we're going to do that in july we just don't have the exact date and place them but as soon as we do we'll we'll get it done but the other shows that we do have all right so we do a show in louisville every year this one would be no exception we're doing it in april as it usually is Mm -hmm. i don't remember the exact date i think it's april 23rd but it's on the website but we're doing that with brohio Oh, my God. And we're doing it with Justin Rimmel oh, from Mysterious Circumstances. Lord have mercy. And we're going to, we got another one that we're going to try to get in, but I won't know for another month or so. So right now it's just the three of us, <sighs> but we're, we're trying to get Shane Waters in there too yes. from Foul Play, but he may be out of town in California at that time. So he's going to let us know in about a month or so. For, oh, perfect. So for right now, it's us three. Tickets are available. HillbillyHorrorStories.com. Then... We've oh my got, God, that's crazy. The that, three of us together again. Yeah, How crazy is that? That'd be April. And then in July, obviously, we've got what we just said in Indianapolis, though that one's not set up. August, our sixth anniversary show. We are going to be with Serial Spirits and Annie Weave, who you'll hear shortly, at the old hospital on College Hill. Oh my gosh. Williamson, West Virginia. This will be done similar to what we do the Bobby Mackey show. You will hear the two of us. We'll probably get one of the tour guides to talk to you. And then we're going to end that one with a tour of the hospital. All on site. So we will do the event from there. You'll get a tour. You'll get the live event, which is just like we do at Bobby Mackey's. Yeah. I'm kind of weirded out about this one. Yeah. This is going to be cool. This, If, if you're unfamiliar, they actually came on uh, our New Year's show and talked about it. But it's also the uh, hospital that was featured for the finals. Uh, was it the season finale of Destination mm-hmm. Fear for their second season? Yep. So you can go check that out. This is going to be a fun one. And we love Annie and we love Brendan. Mm-hmm. And they're going to be on board with us. They live like an hour and a half away from there. Yeah. But Annie and, and Brendan went and investigated there last month. Oh, it did? Yes. And she's going to talk about some of the stuff they found in the investigation. She said that it was super active. Oh, wow. So that's what you'll get to hear about. And then our last live event is in October, the Sunday before Halloween with Bobby Mackey's. Yeah. That's always going to be the case. We're always going to do Bobby Mackey's in October. Yeah. 
It was really special, too, because he was actually on the live show this past one. So it was really nice. We'll see if we can convince him to come back this time, too. But so there you go. So we got Louisville, Indianapolis, Williamson, the Cruz, and Bobby Mackey's. So that's our live events we got coming up. The tickets for uh, everything except for the indie show is for sale right now at hillbillyhorrorstore.com. I'm sure it would make good Christmas gifts. And some of these are, you know, we can only get 50 in Bobby Mackey's. Mm-hmm. So there's only 50 tickets available. Yeah. And I think we can only get 60 at our birthday show in Williamson at uh, the old hospital. So go ahead and check that out. Tracy, what do you got for us over there? Well, hello there. I have some names that I can now pronounce. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna bring this up real quick. It's not a, it's just it's just very hard to do. If you leave a review and you want us to mention the review going forward, please leave your name. So, because you know, this little country bumpkin can't pronounce. Some yeah, of some these of these names. some of your some of these iTunes names or Apple uh, IDs, I should say. They're just a bunch of letters, and and they don't really make sense together. It might make sense to you, but to us, just seeing you know L three four seventeen twenty eight, we don't really know how to pronounce it or nothing. So well, you just say the numbers and letters, what right? Do you mean? So, but I'm saying if you, it would be a whole lot easier if you leave a review to just say, hey, this is John or Sarah or yeah, whatever, and then we can say your name instead of saying, oh, thank you so much L three seventeen nine Q. You know, whatever. Beats them all. It just don't come across the same way. Well, you know what? I'm down with anything for sure. But I just want to say you guys really, really left some wonderful reviews this week. And, and we want to give you credit. And, well, we do. And you, you guys know who you are. But I just want to say thank you guys so much. They mean the world to us for sure. And I just, I love y'all so much for doing it and taking your time out to do that. So we have our one and only Emojo Lobster. How about do it different? What was the point of that? I I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I just wanted to say it different. (laughs) Mojo Lobster. Oh, hey, I'll start that way. Mojo Lobster. How's that? Okay. Oh. What'd you get next? And love you though. Um, (laughs) I, th- I thought I knew how to pronounce this, but um, I think it's M Liza L E Z, and I didn't want to screw it up. Thank you, sweetheart. And we got Big Steve four eight one zero two zero. I don't know. I just felt like saying it like that. Grizel forty six, Katina seven one one, Midwest Koala, and Leanne loves hillbillies. Well, we love you too, girlfriend. Thank you, guys. Your reviews were so amazing and so awesome. Thank you so, so much. And our Patreons this week are Mike Peck. That's what they used to call my dad, Eddie Peck. That's, that's what his that's actually on his um, headstone. headstone, Eddie Peck. Now, my mom's name was Pearl, and she'd probably be mad because he put Pearl Peck on her. <laughs> no, Nobody ever called her Pearl Peck. Oh, really? No. I they just both No, never. put them both on there. No. Nope. Well, I guess Daddy thought it was funny, so. Well, if you want a say in what goes on yours, don't be the one to go first. Well, there you go. That's true. Uh, both of you should not be gone at all, but that's beside the point. <laughs> right. Um, the next one is Michelle Deal, Paula Miller Sutter, Simone Patton, and Angelique Catamaras. I hope <laughs> I said that right. Oh, 
Do you don't think I said that no, right? No, I don't know. I just thought it was funny. You just did that big, long pause, and I just knew you were I in know. trouble. These people are so important to me. I just don't want to mess their names up, because I just love them, and you guys are awesome. Yay. Well, <laughs> what else? What else we got? I, it's it's either going to be early or it's going to be late, so I'd rather it be early. What? So I would say that we need to say happy birthday to somebody special. Yes, we do. Our number one Irish listener, Tracy Bradley. We love you, Tracy. You Her are birthday's so awesome. on the 11th. And like I said, we either have to do it now or we have to do it past it. And I'd yeah. rather be early. So happy oh. birthday, Tracy. We love happy you. Happy birthday, beautiful. And thanks for putting your beautiful grandbabies on Facebook so we can see them. They are adorable. So beautiful. And I hope you have a best, best birthday ever, sweetheart. We love you. Absolutely. All right. Let's listen to Annie Weaves and listen about some of the stuff she experienced at the old hospital on college. I can't wait. Hill. And she also talks about uh, Lake Shawnee because she's, she's been on a bunch of TV shows mm-hmm. for Lake Shawnee, including the one with William Shatner. Oh, wow. And, Get out of yeah, here, girl. And, and she's met. Some very cool people. She 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 met Jack Osborne, so she talks Stop. about that because she was on Portals to Hell, and Who she else? Got, oh, what's his name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Ghost Brothers. He met. That's Jack, right. Well, they do a show together. That's right. That's they right. Do, uh, f- uh, Fright Night, I guess, or Fright Club. I mean, I would like to hang out with them. I bet they are so funny. They probably so are. Fun, you know what I'm saying? Because they are so into the paranormal. I just love it. But yeah, she so she talks a little bit about Jack. And oh, this. that's so nice. Good for her. Hey guys, we are absolutely thrilled to death to be sponsored by Shudder. It's something that I have on almost every single night in our house. And what's better on a chilly fall night than curling up in front of the TV for a great scary movie? And nobody has better collection of horror, thriller, and supernatural than Shudder. The best streaming service for horror. Shudder is the exclusive home for the found footage hit VHS 94. A Shutter Original. You can binge the latest sessions of Creep Show and Slasher, both exclusively on Shutter. Catch new episodes of Drag Competition Show, The Boulet Brothers Dragula, and new docuseries Behind the Monsters on the origin and pop culture dominance of your favorite modern movie monsters. New exclusives this month include Nicolas Cage and Prisoners of the Ghostland and a killer shark movie, Great White. I absolutely love creep show it's probably my, my favorite thing that's on shutter right now and i had three seasons that i had to get through but this thing was remarkably done it is completely true to the original movie it's got a lot of funniness it's got some scary parts to it it like i said if you like the original movie you will absolutely love this and you know there's something for everybody that's what i love about shutter there literally is every type of scary or horror movie and then you've got suspenseful movies you've got psychological thrillers if you like to be scared out of your mind trust me there is something here for you you can get started streaming the best horror thriller supernatural content shutters expertly curated collections include must-see titles like vicious fun the mortuary collection another great movie and pg psycho gorman plus all the best horror documentaries and the hit Creepshow TV series from executive producer Greg Nicotero, who uh, you probably know from The Walking Dead. So to try Shudder free for 30 days, 
Go to Shudder, S-H-U-D-D-E-R.com and use promo code HILLBILLY. That's S-H-U-D-D-E-R.com. Use promo code HILLBILLY. Hey guys, I am excited because I've got one of my all-time favorite people, Annie Weebs on on the uh, hotline here. And it's the first time, in fairness, Annie, it's the first time I've ever called a hotline. So that should be special for you. You flatter me far too much, Jerry. (laughs) I appreciate it. And I will not tell Tracy that you said that. I'm totally going to tell her you said that. Uh, But no, I'm so appreciative. It's, It's fantastic to be on here. It's an honor and a thrill. So thank you so much. You know, it's funny because our relationship has grown really over the last couple of years. And and correct me if I'm wrong, but this all started from CryptidCon, right? It did. So we started talking after I've done a podcast, Serial Spirits, and also did a live show, a live Facebook stream on Paranormal Warehouse and the Manifest Network. And I had you and Tracy on several times. And I think originally we did talk about CryptidCon and uh, it, it just kind of was a, a love relationship that grew from there. So I think we actually had Jeff Waldridge to thank for that, didn't we? Yes, that's exactly what it was. Yes. So thanks to him. Actually, I think CryptidCon is coming up soon, isn't it? Yes, we are there. It's going to be it's uh, the 20th and 21st. So it's the, the Saturday and Sunday before Thanksgiving. Nice. We'll tell everyone we said hello there. And we appreciate uh, them bringing us together. Yeah, because, I mean, since then, we have hooked up with with uh, Brendan, your your significant other. And we hooked up at at, uh, the Mothman Festival. We did. And then you came out and actually uh, talked uh, on some stories and stuff you'd had at the uh, when we did our live show in Point Pleasant. I did. Yes, that was a great time. And we've missed, we've so missed the Mothman Festival for the past two years. Uh, We actually had friends who still came from uh, some different places all over the country for it this year. But yeah, we met beneath Mothman's Stone Cold Heine, didn't we? Yes, we did. (laughs) Yes, we did. So, and, and one of the reasons that I wanted to have you on is because you and I, and Shay and Tracy, and, I, and it's Brendan, but she calls him Shay, so I feel yeah. privileged to call him that too. Anyway, but you guys are the hosts of Serial Spirits, and you guys have been on a little bit of a break. Just uh, you're you're a fairly new mother. How, how old is is uh, Rory now? So Rory will be two in December, and between toddler life and COVID life, working in a hospital, we've been on a little bit of a hiatus. We did a really big series that we kind of went all in. We threw in our chips and did a series about Indrid Cold and Mothman and all of the crazy things that kind of began in Point Pleasant and then just circumvent around the nation talking about UFO sightings and technology, these locations of high tech that had all of these UFO sightings. And we went all in with that. We did a huge series that took, gosh, almost a year to uh, to research and record and develop and then send that out amongst the world. And so we went on a little hiatus after that to kind of reel it in and see what we wanted to do from there. But Serial Spirits is a mashup of 
true crime, paranormal, UFO, cryptids. It's all the creepy stuff that, that you want to hear combined. And so we'll be back soon. You guys live in West Virginia. So that's one of the reasons why we had you at the uh, uh, Point Pleasant show. But you also have done a bunch of stuff at uh, Lake Shawnee. Yes. Yes. And uh, you've been on a couple of television shows, one of which you didn't even know you were on. Because I remember I, I called and told you, I said, hey, I just saw you on the William Shatner uh, show. And you're like, well, I didn't I don't remember doing anything, but it was oh, something you doing. you had done and they snipped it. It did. Yeah. So I've been on, I think, three different uh, travel channel productions now at Lake Shawnee Amusement Park, which is in a, a little town called Rock, West Virginia, down around the West Virginia, Virginia border. Lake Shawnee has a very deep, very dark history and I had the opportunity to investigate there, gosh, starting about five years ago and had the holy grail of all paranormal experiences the very first night I was there, which was a full-bodied apparition. And so I started telling that story over and over again. And as I did, uh, people started calling and they wanted to hear it. And so a few years later and a few different productions, I've been honored to go down and do that and tell that story several different times and Lake Shawnee, man, it's a trip. We got to get you and Tracy down to Lake Shawnee because you literally camp on the property. There's nothing there. There are no buildings to investigate. It's just you and the property and the elements. And it is super creepy all the time. Uh, I'm all for it. And we've tried to make that happen, but then with COVID, everything kind of, you, you know, know every- Yeah, everything just went on on pause for that last year. So November of 2020 was the last time that I was there. And I got a call last minute from one of the producers for Portals to Hell, which is hosted by Jack Osborne. And in this case, it was Heather Taddy, who used to be on Paranormal State. So I got to go down and tell my story to Jack and Heather, and it was a really good time. And it, it turned out far better the, even than I had expected. So a lot of fun. I've heard that we were talking to Dalen Spratt from Ghost Brothers. Of course, he's got the show Fright Club with uh, Jack, you know, him and the, and the other guys from, from the Ghost Brothers. He said that Jack Osborne is a super nice, really down to earth kind of guy. He was so nice. We, I literally walked into the production in the middle of their lunch break and Jack is sitting over there just like this super, just normal person eating his pita pit and his bag of chips. And I say hello to him, just like you're walking past a friend in like the school cafeteria. And he was like, oh, hey, how are you? And after the conversation that we had, uh, we did this, it was literally a round table discussion of paranormal investigators and folks who had um, volunteered at Lake Shawnee over the years telling their stories. And at the very end, I had the opportunity to talk with Jack about the psychic that they had coming in there, Michelle Bellinger. I've had the pleasure of working with Michelle over the years as well. And so we had a conversation about that. Very nice guy, very down to earth. Um, you just never know what to expect when you walk into these television productions. And I was very pleasantly surprised with Jack Osborne. Nice. I'm glad to hear that because he does seem like a nice guy. And so many times people you see on TV aren't the person off camera that they are on camera, but I'm very glad to see that he actually is 
one of the nice guys out there. He was. He lives up to the hype. Such a nice guy. All right. So one of the reasons that I brought you on tonight, it wasn't for uh, just a whim. There actually is a reason. We just announced, now this will air later, but at the time that we're doing this, we just announced last night that we are going to do our sixth anniversary show at the old hospital on College Hill, which is in uh, Williamson, West Virginia, which is only about an hour and a half from you guys. So that makes it perfect. You were the first call that I made to see if you wanted to participate. And then I find out that you actually just investigated there, what, uh, like last month or something. Yeah. So number one, I didn't know it was going to be an anniversary. So what do you buy somebody for their sixth anniversary? Got to look that one up for starters. But yeah. I think a casket. (laughs) (laughs) In our case, it is probably. Um, cemetery vault. No, but we did. I, so here's crazy story. I grew up about an hour from Williamson, West Virginia, which is a small coal town that is really just nestled in the hills of West Virginia. Growing up, uh, was an athlete in school and we used to play ball in Williamson all the time. I've driven past the old hospital on college Hill more times than I could even tell you and never paid attention to it. At that point, the building was probably still being used as hospital offices. So it was still uh, in effect in use. And when I found out that it was one of these locations that they are advertising as being very paranormal active now, I thought, I know where that place is. And it it just never crossed my mind that it would become what it is now, because now you're seeing it on TV, you know, destination fear was there. And, um, it just kind of blew me away that all of a sudden it's in the spotlight. And so I had the opportunity to go with a group of friends that were literally from all over the country. Back in August, we had friend, a friend from New York, one from Boston, a group of guys from middle Tennessee, all the way out to Washington state. And we all converged upon the old hospital on college Hill and had a really interesting investigation. And I'm super pumped to be able to go back with you guys, because I feel like we just scratched the surface of what was there. And I'm ready to really dig into it more and, and peel away the layers and see what's really there. Now, much like we do on our Bobby Mackey show, our Bobby, now when we go to Bobby Mackey's, that's the only show we do that's actually inside the haunted location and involves a tour. So it's, you know, it's a little different scenario. Most of the other shows we do, we have two or three, four podcasts with us and it's just fun, but we're usually at a VFW or we're at a restaurant or whatever the case is. That's what always set Bobby Mackey's different than the rest. And that and we decided that when I, I got to meet uh, Tanya and Charlie who own the place. And Charlie's actually also the mayor of Williamson. So that's pretty cool. Charlie but, Hatfield. Yeah. He greeted us there that night and, and, you know, mayor Hatfield shows up, you know, you're in for a night. <laughs> but <laughs> so I got to meet, I got to meet them that I've had Tanya and uh, Marianne Farley, who actually is one of the tour guides up there on our show. Marianne's been a, a friend of ours forever. And uh, I got to, I've got them on the show, but I hadn't, talked to Charlie yet. And during Scarefest, they had a booth set up. So I sat and started the dialogue with uh, 
Charlie and, and uh, Tanya about coming up there. And then it continued on until we, we said, look, I, I said, I, I want to be able to do something, but I'd like to be able to do it inside and have it culminate with a tour. They were excited about that. And when I uh, reached out to Tanya a couple of days ago, she was like, yeah, yeah, that would be great. We've, we haven't had an event like that because they've really only had this thing open for like a year or so. And the story was basically that Tanya and Charlie were both born in that hospital. And uh, as, as the place kind of fell from one owner to an, another other owner, they was talking about, you know, tearing it down and all that. And Tanya and Charlie said, Hey, we, we don't want that to happen. So they, you know, went into with it with another investor and they bought the property and uh, like they started trying to fix it up. And that's what they're using some of the money for is to keep fixing it up. There's, an old uh, nursing school that's right there, thus the name on uh, College Hill. And they're wanting to turn that into a possible, you know, like a possible bed and breakfast type deal and a, put a restaurant there. But all that stuff takes money. And uh, so they're, they're using these investigations and stuff. But they got a big break when Destination Fear said they wanted to come there and and actually be the first TV show to come there. And they made that their season finale for season two, I think it was. And that's. Now they're starting to really get some publicity on the place. So I thought it'd be a fine time for us to go. That's a, well, we're going to be there on August 20th and the 21st is actually the show's true sixth anniversary. So that, but this is a Saturday, so we're going to do it, but we're going to do it during the day. So it's going to be like a one o'clock to three o'clock that deals, but you guys, you and uh, uh, Brendan are going to talk for a little bit. Uh, we'll probably get, Marianne or Tanya to talk a little bit about the place and then we'll end it with a tour after after we do our little set it's going to be a really fun event it'll be an amazing event because it's one of those places that you walk into and you feel welcome by Tanya and Charlie it it feels like they're there really trying to preserve this location trying to do the right thing. We're seeing a lot of that in our area now, really preserving the history behind some of these locations. And they could have easily knocked this place down and just said, forget about it. Nobody really wants it here. But instead they said, let's try to make something out of it. And, you know, my family is all from down in that area. So it's very likely that I had relatives who were born there or who died there and you walk in and you feel that energy. If you've ever investigated a hospital before, there's a certain energy that comes with it. And you feel that when you walk into the old Williamson hospital, old Williamson Memorial or the old hospital on college Hill. And it's i uh, I'm so excited to go back there with you guys. Like I said, we had a really interesting investigation there and I can't wait to see if we turn up some stuff midday because we had activity going on there uh, during the day. We started early and, and went into the uh, early evening and early night. And it was it was a great evening. So let's talk about that. You, you said that there was all kinds of talk of, of good activity going on there. And when I talked to you a couple of days ago, you said you guys had some pretty good activity during the uh, investigation you had. Tell me a couple of things that happened that you guys caught. We did. So a lot of the activity happened very early on. We got kind of bombarded with activity when we came in and then it got a little quiet the rest of the night. 
but I, I felt very drawn to go up to the third floor. The third floor really hit me as a place that was full of energy. And Brendan and I sat down in a room at the very end of the hall and we started doing just a quick burst EVP session. So we were recording at about 30 seconds, then we'd listen back to it. And just a couple of minutes into that, as we're sitting there, the door opens to this room that we're in. We had pushed it closed and the door just starts opening very slowly on its own. So it was almost like someone kind of walked in and said, okay, I'm here. What do you want to talk about? And within a few minutes of that happening, a couple of our friends, uh, Matt Fioli and Casey Boatwright, who are from Gateway Paranormal down in Tennessee, came up and began investigating with us. And as we're standing at the end of the hall, we start seeing shadow play at the opposite end of the hall. So I see something walk from right to left across the hall, blocking out the light. And the guys are seeing it too. And it was almost like it's kind of toying with us. So we would see it at one end of the hall. We kind of go down to the other end of the hall. Maybe something would happen down there. And a lot of it was shadow activity. At one point, Matt Fioli is sitting in a room by himself in, on the third floor. And he sees shadow activity out in the hallway and then feels something touch him. And I got a very clear EVP at that point, as he said that something was messing with him that very clearly says his last name, which is odd because it, it's it's not a common not the most name. common name. Yeah, it's not a common last name. And so some some good EVPs came out of there. A lot of shadow activity. The basement is a very bizarre place. And so when I, we talked with Tanya at the beginning of the tour, she told us that there, the incinerator for the hospital is down in the basement and that they feel very strongly that there could still be human remains in that incinerator. So there's a lot of stuff still down there. I can't tell if it's human remains or not, but we did get a lot of activity down in the basement as well. And a lot of that shadow activity as well. So we had a, a motion sensor activator set out in the hall and it kept being tripped as we we're doing these short burst EVP sessions, really containing our energy and focusing on what was going on in that moment, trying to converse with it. Um, so yeah, a, a lot of, it almost felt like it was very, um, it was very curious about us. It wanted to know more about us as we wanted to know more about it. And so that's why I'm excited to go back with you guys and fill the place out again. It's one of those places there's a lot of layers. You've got to peel back. You think about the energy behind a hospital, right? People lived out their best and their worst moments in hospitals. It was, especially in an area that was as remote as Williamson, once they made it to this hospital, it was life or death. And so it's either their salvation or it's the end of the road. And you feel that energy in there and you feel that it's been closed up for a while and that you're going in and treading on someone else's turf and learning how to kind of build a relationship with it. So it's very interesting. It's a very interesting haunt. Now the switch, uh, switch stories a little bit. You obviously are, like we said, you're in West Virginia. I'm, I'm assuming here without talking to you 
that you've probably been to some of the other hot spots in West Virginia, such as either Moundsville or Trans-Allegheny, would I be right or wrong in that? Moundsville, no. Trans-Allegheny, yes. I spent a night in Trans-Allegheny and it was a phenomenal location. I mean, that place is just, have you been to Trans-Allegheny? I'm sure no, I, I, I've not been to either one and that's on my list. So Shay has been to Moundsville. I have not. I've been to Trans-Allegheny. We need to hit both of them. Trans-Allegheny is massive. It is just enormous. And at the time, I had the pleasure of going up with a group of friends and there was a, a tour guide there that they called, the guy's name was Copperhead. That was his nickname. <laughs> and I don't think Copperhead is there anymore, but he was like the guy to know when you wanted to go to the hottest spots in Trans-Allegheny. And I went with some friends who knew Copperhead and he took us there and it was, it's just phenomenal. Oh my gosh. It's such, such a grand location. Um, and so much to explore. You could spend a week in there and not cover all the location that you needed to do in Tala. It's crazy. That's the way we felt when we went to Eastern State. That place is just, it, they're, and they're built kind of similar. So it's that same kind of Gothic style, but yeah, yeah it's crazy. The, uh, oh, no, I, no pun intended. <laughs> right. I can't remember what they're, uh, the, uh, I'll shoot the, the name for those, but, um, yeah, yeah, it's, it, after, it's after the guy who in, invented on my cat. I'm I'm with you, but I can't remember the name. It was a certain the Kirk, the Kirk Bride. Kirk Bride, that's right. Kirk Brides. All those Kirk Brides are so beautiful. They're all kind of built in the same fashion. And Trans Allegheny has outlying buildings that at the time that I went were being used for something else. So they wouldn't let tours go through. But yeah, we I, I got it get you in in Trans-Allegheny as well because it's it's phenomenal it's a beast yeah it's it's definitely if if I had to pick five places that I haven't been to yet that one's actually there actually believe it or not Ohio State Reformatory is on that list too because I haven't been there we stopped but it was on on our way back from Erie it was during COVID and everything was shut down so we couldn't even go through on a regular tour we've done the same thing I've done the tour I haven't spent a night um, and so I would love to get there. I have not been to Waverly Hills. So when you talk about places that in your location that you've never been, that you want to get to, I've never been to Waverly Hills. And that seems like such a sin as a paranormal that's, investigator. That surprises me because you're only like three and a half hours from there or three something. hours from Louisville. And so, yeah, it, it's, there's so much around us, so much history, so much to investigate. And uh, old hospital on College Hill is just one of those locations. And uh, yeah, we, we kind of live in this hot spot of historical places that are very, very haunted. Yeah, so I'm super excited. And like I said, we'll have to make it a point since since you or, nor myself have been to Moundsville. That's be one we definitely going to have to hook up and do. We definitely have to go. Shay has been, and you'll have to ask him about the uh, the experience that he had down in the Sugar Shack. It's, I, I think whatever was there kind of wanted to keep him there. So, and of course, of course the sugar shack was kind of like the, the break room type area where all the prisoners would go. And then they, obviously they had, they could get snacks and they could play 
I don't know, billiards or whatever they had down there, but that was kind of their game room type deal. A, of course, a lot a, of bad stuff happened. Down there. A lot of bad stuff happened in the sugar shack. And so he had some really cool responses and, and some uh, experiences down there. So yeah, Moundsville, let's, let's do it all. Let's just make kind of a, a world tour of haunted locations. We'll do that. Annie, it was fun having you on. Thanks for jumping on at short notice. Absolutely. I am always here for you and Tracy. Love you guys. You are the best. And uh, I, I'm so excited for August 20th, 2022. Yeah, it's going to be fun. There's a lot of twos in there. A lot of twos. <laughs> All right, my dear. Thank you so much. And uh, we're going to talk to you and Brandon soon. We'll see you guys soon. Sounds like we're going to have our hands full with the old hospital. I'm kind of excited, but I'm scared. Yeah, it's going to be fun. And Annie, Annie and Brennan are so much fun anyway. I can't wait to do something with them. Yeah, they'll protect us. <laughs> I'm sure they will. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, thank you so much, and we will talk to you next week. Hope you all have a blessed week. We love you all.